Hello, hello, and welcome. Welcome back if you're coming back. Welcome if this is your first podcast. Um, really random one to start if it is. Maybe go back and listen to some others. But I do feel this one is an important one nonetheless. I think this is episode 14. 14. Nice number. Um, so today I... Excuse my voice, by the way. I'm not being very well. I've got this whole husky Phoebe from Friends thing going on, but it's fine. We're going to roll with it. Um, Today, I want to talk about sleep. Now, this is something that does come up a lot, a lot in check-ins. And I think sometimes we're so quick to jump to like, what can we do? What can I do to improve my sleep? My sleep is terrible. What can I do? And then sometimes we forget the things that we should not do. (laughs) And I think that's a really important thing to focus on especially in this little mini podcast is firstly looking at the things that you want to avoid or try and reduce as much as possible before you go looking at what can I add and these aren't groundbreaking the things that we talk about they're some of them are really obvious but it might just be things that you've not really thought about before um, and it might just be a little reminder to get your shit together a little bit when it comes to your sleep. I'm not going to go into the importance of sleep. You all know, I'm sure you all know the importance of sleep for a range of different health reasons and implications, especially if you're active. Um, So I'm not going to hammer that point home. I'm just going to go into some tips and things that we should be avoiding and then some things that might help. Um, So I'm going to start with the things that we, we want to be trying to avoid or reduce to try and help our sleep. So the first thing that I want to talk about is light. Now light obviously helps regulate our internal body clock. We kind of sleep and wake in a 24 hour cycle with, you know, sunrise, sunset. And that happens with the help of melatonin. And this signals to our body that it's time to sleep. What disrupts this is blue light. And blue light is in all of the shit that we use. TVs, phones, laptops, and what this does is this then disrupts the production of melatonin. So that is then going to disrupt our internal body clock and make it harder for us to either fall asleep or to stay asleep um, or to fall into that deep sleep that we really want. So a lot of these tips that I'm going to talk about is not just about falling asleep, it's about staying asleep and falling into a deeper sleep because that's where all the good stuff happens. Um, So what you want to try and do, obviously, is reduce your exposure to this blue light either from your screens or if you are going to have to use a screen light on for work that you do maybe try some blue light blocking glasses a few hours before you go to bed or I know you can get like screen covers now you can turn your phone down so that it's not as bright if you're gonna have to use this these devices you know within two hours of going to bed then just try and minimise that impact as much as possible because light can really affect the quality of your sleep. Um, And also like natural light as well. Well, artificial light too. Any type of light. If you think about your body clock and the way that it works, if you are in an environment where there is artificial light or, you know, now that the sun is rising a lot earlier and it's light at 4am, that is going to 
you know, bring you out of this deep sleep. So if you are in a room that's really bright, maybe consider sorting that out, getting some blackout blinds or just some better curtains. I'm saying this, it's really, really cheap of me to say this because I've got the worst curtains in the world and I regularly wake up at 4am like, oh, it must be time to get up. It's light. And I look at my watch, I'm like, no, it's 4am, go sleep, you psycho. Or if you're not going to do that, a sleep mask. I actually have a sleep mask and it's really good. It says fuck off on it as well. So it's even better. <laughs> Someone comes into my room and I'm asleep with my mask on. They ain't waking me up. Um, but they're just some tips in regards to light. I think light is probably quite a big contributor to our quality of sleep. And we don't really maybe pay attention to that or realise that. Then moving on, the second one is heat. So an elevated core body temperature has been associated with insomnia. I know that sounds like I've gone like 0 to 100 there, um, but when we look at the research, reductions in our core temperature are associated with reductions in sleep latency. So if your room is cooler, but not like cold, it may help you fall asleep faster and also deeper. Um, when we think about things that can disrupt our sleep, like light, heat, noise, heat can impair our sleep quality a lot more than noise actually, which makes sense. Like I find that quite interesting because I don't know if any of you have like moved house or been looking for a house and you maybe find one that you love but it's like on a main road or like for instance we are right on the M62 where we live and we have a train track literally behind our apartment so we've got like the noise of the M62 and then every so often like a train coming past and beeping its horn but I don't now hear the noise of the M62 like that has just become a bit of white noise and that's actually quite good for sleep I don't know if any of you use anything like with your Alexa like some music or rainforest sounds or white noise um and I actually find that quite soothing now and even like the train coming past at first like in a quite a sharp and dramatic or instant noise is quite disruptive to sleep but I'm used to it now so I can totally get how heat is more disruptive than than noise um so yeah making sure that the temperature of the room is bang on uh, and I think, again, that's something that we don't really think about, light and heat. We think about all the other things like, oh, my bedtime and caffeine. Um, but that's a good segue because we are now going to move into another two things that really affect our sleep, which is alcohol and caffeine. So alcohol is a funny one, right? Because alcohol is a relaxant. It's a depressant of the nervous system. So, you know, if you have a bit too much to drink, you do get that whole sleepy, oh, I want to go to bed. And it might help you fall asleep. But what it actually does is it massively impairs the quality of your sleep. So if you've ever been on a massive bender, I'm pretty sure if you listen to this, you've been on a bender um, and you go to sleep and you might get like nine, 10 hours. But the next day you still feel absolutely shagged, like you are so tired. And it's not because you've you've had 10 hours of sleep. It's because you haven't had very much quality sleep. So you might have fallen asleep really quickly, stayed asleep for a long time, but the quality was absolutely not there. So what we're looking for is maybe reducing the amount, the frequency or the time that you drink. Um, and when we look at alcohol disorders, they are actually really strongly linked to insomnia. So it does make sense. If you have a drink in the week, if you have something that likes to drink with your dinner, maybe stop it at dinner and maybe you don't have a drink after dinner. You don't have it too close to your bedside. I know this is not very good if you're going out on a weekend because nobody's going to go out on a weekend and go, oh, 7 p.m., need to stop my alcohol now. <laughs> um, 
but maybe just bear that in mind like if you are going to have a drink on a weekend late into the night you're going to suffer the next day so maybe make that next day a bit of a rest day something a, a day where you don't do a lot <laughs> you're not going to be training you're not going to be doing work you don't need brain power because we all know it's pretty obvious alcohol is not the one to help with those kind of activities um and then caffeine so caffeine causes alertness right but that effect wears off the more you become sensitized so some people might go yeah i can sleep like no matter how much caffeine i've had like i can have a caffe- I, I can have like a monster or a coffee like 8 p.m. i've got all this caffeine in my system and i still can get to sleep but again what it is is that you probably get in much more shallow sleep um caffeine has a half life of like 4 to 6 hours so you really want to be trying to limit your caffeine intake to maybe like six hours before you go to bed. So I, I tend to say as a rule of thumb, like don't have caffeine past 4pm. Even if you're like, yeah, but I can fall asleep, like I'm fine, it doesn't keep me awake. It's not that it's keeping you awake, it's that it's impairing, again, the quality of the sleep that you're having when you actually do go to sleep. Um, so they're the kind of main culprits. Um, so they're the things that we kind of want to see, like, can we control any of that? Can we look at our temperature of our bedrooms? Can we look at the light that comes in? Can we play around with the blue light that we are exposing ourselves to before we go to bed? Can we look at our alcohol and caffeine intake? I probably think that alcohol and caffeine is like a really quick win unless you don't drink or you don't drink caffeine. I mean, do those people exist? I think so. Um, So we'll move on to then what helps. Exercise exercise I know not everybody exercises right but I'm here to say that you don't have to be someone that like goes to the gym and smashes weights like physical activity in the day seems to improve sleep quality especially in times of stress if you're someone that's stressed and you may be struggling to sleep anything from yoga to aerobic exercise to strength training can potentially improve your sleep quality So if you're somebody that goes, I don't go to the gym, I don't really exercise, like maybe you could do some stretching, maybe you could do some light walking or a little bit of, you know, a bodyweight workout in your house. Anything that you can do is better than doing nothing. But when it comes to the time of exercise, I probably wouldn't recommend training too close to your bedtime because A, it's going to raise that core temperature. Even though it's temporary, it is still raising your core temperature. It is going to enhance the production of epinephrine which is basically adrenaline so that's going to disrupt your circadian rhythm um you're going to be more alert you're going to be on kind of high awareness um but thinking about exercise or no exercise if the only time that you can exercise is at night then that's probably better than no exercise at all if sleep is something that you're really struggling with so just bear that in mind um next is keeping a consistent sleep schedule (laughs) again a really obvious one but nine times out of ten when I have clients that say to me I'm really struggling with my sleep the first thing I say is what does your sleep schedule look like what does your bedtime and your wake-up time look look like and the people that don't struggle with their sleep are the clients that go to bed and get up at pretty much the same time every day if you think about your body right your body runs on this giant clock this 24-hour schedule that we call our circadian rhythm. When you don't have a consistent sleep schedule, you're throwing it into disarray and that is going to impair the quality of your sleep. So if you go to bed at like approximately the same time every night, 
And again, I think it's important that you get up at a similar time every day. That can really improve your sleep quality and it also can reduce the time that it takes you to fall asleep. Um, if you are somebody that already does this, like I'm sure you'll agree and I'm the same now, I still set an alarm but I will usually wake up around the time of my alarm going off, maybe a little bit before it. Um, so it is best when that happens to just get up. Um, even if you feel a bit tired, just get up because if you stay in bed longer or you go back to sleep, you're putting this body clock into disarray and then it might impact your sleep that night. Um, if you want to really help this kind of, if you want to help consolidate your circadian rhythm a little bit more, having some sort of routine with your sleep schedule. So what I mean by that is maybe it's just having a shower, brushing your teeth, having a bath and brushing your teeth, or it might be having a bath, doing some reading, then going to sleep. Um, it might be doing some meditating, doing some journaling and then going to sleep. It wants to be things that obviously don't stimulate the mind. So not sitting on your phone on social media. Hello, guilty. Um, or playing on video games. They're not the type of activities that you want to put into your bedtime routine. Um, but anything that's going to help signal to your body that it is time to soon lie down and go to sleep is going to be a win. So next, um, we're going to talk about a couple of supplements. It would be remiss of me not to mention supplements. However, I think before you jump to supplements, look at all the other things first. So melatonin. So the absence of blue light, okay, it signals your body to produce melatonin. This in turn signals to your body that it's time to go bed. That's why it's really important that we try to avoid blue light as much as possible in those kind of couple of hours before bedtime. If you've already taken that step, and everything else above this, and you're still really struggling to fall asleep, then you might try taking melatonin as a oral supplement. So the dosage is 500 micrograms a day. Um, and it is really like something that is like a bit of a, I've tried everything, I've got this perfect sleep schedule, I go to bed, I get into bed at the same time, I get up at the same time every day, I'm still really, really struggling to fall asleep. Um, then maybe you try melatonin. You can get it most places. Um, but it is worth mentioning that a lot of melatonin supplements don't actually have the amounts indicated on their labels. Some have a lot less, which is obviously crap, but others have much, much more, which is even worse. So something to bear in mind. I generally don't take melatonin. I think a couple of my clients do off their own back, but if you've tried everything else, why not? And then the second one to mention is magnesium. So Magnesium is a mineral and it plays an important role in the brain. Uh, it can result in kind of abnormal neur neuronal excitations. I love that. Check me out saying big sentences. Um, so a lack of magnesium will cause some abnormal neuronal excitations leading to impaired sleep. So supplements with magnesium has been shown to improve sleep. But now it's really important that I say that sentence again a lack of magnesium okay if you are getting enough magnesium in your diet or you are already supplementing you don't need to up your dosage when we talk about supplementing with vitamins and minerals the effect that we're talking about coming from it is correcting deficiency if you are not deficient it's not going to make much difference so 
when I come to talking about some foods that are high in magnesium, if you think I don't really eat a lot of that, I probably am a bit deficient, then maybe supplementing magnesium is going to work. Um, so yeah, supplementing magnesium improves sleep quality, especially in the elderly, because um, they tend to have pretty low magnesium intakes. But also in young active people, because magnesium is lost, lost through sweat. So if you are really, really active, like borderline consider yourself a bit of an athlete, you might be a little bit deficient or have a lack of magnesium. So try your very best to get it in your diet. Um, foods like whole grains, nuts, seeds, greens, dry beans, wheat, oat bran, those kind of things. If you're already eating those, then you're probably covered. If, last resort again, you're going to supplement, the tolerable upper limit for adults is 350 milligrams. But what you want to bear in mind is that you should be avoiding magnesium oxide. I don't, I not generally come across this in a supplement, but it must be out there. Um, and it might be like, okay, this magnesium supplement is really cheap. Have a look at the label because it might be magnesium oxide. And the reason that you want to avoid that is because it has really poor bioavailability, which means it's not readily absorbed. Uh, in some of the studies, only 4% of it was absorbed. So you're not looking for magnesium oxide. And that's pretty much it on the sleep front. I hope that's been helpful. I hope maybe it's given you a few things that you think, ah, I don't do that or I don't pay attention to that. Maybe I should. Um, give them a go. Start with the things that you want to avoid, the things that you want to kind of address before you start adding things like magnesium, melatonin, things like that. If it's helpful, let me know. If there's any aha moments, let me know. If you've got any questions, Instagram or in the Facebook group as I post this is the best place. I hope you all have a wonderful day, evening, morning, whatever you're doing and I will catch you all soon.